0: Hello again, everyone. Tom Oglesby in the FM 98.3 KCRD Studios. This is the Chatter, episode 44, and we're recording on Monday, May 23rd. And our guest is Father Lovell, Father John Lovell here from the Coalition of Canceled Priests. Father, let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Remember. Papa. O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with his confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful.
1: O oh, Mother of the Word Incarnate, despite not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name,
0: in the name, of, the name of, of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Colleen's uh, running late tonight, Father, and I rely on her for the feast day here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a uh, good saint on Monday, the 23rd of May?
1: There is not today. Today is known as a feria day. However, it is, and we can talk about this a little bit later, a rogation day. Rogation comes from the Latin word rogare, meaning to ask. And it's the first of three days leading up to Ascension Thursday, which is days of prayer and fasting, kind of a mini-Lent inside of the Easter season.
0: I love those rogation days, because I ask a lot. Yep,
1: yeah, well... We, we, all, we all need to ask, and uh, it's a reminder to us of what we should be asking for, because uh, sometimes we kind of get that blurred, but uh, we should always be asking God for his mercy, that is for sure.
0: Indeed we should. We've got a lot to talk about here tonight, Father. You've got an event coming up here in uh, just about 30 days. We've got the retreat house over in Indiana to get an update and um, find out what's going on with canceled priests uh, along the way, and, um, and we talked about Rogation Days, but let's start off the top with the uh, big event, something about the desert over in Beloit, Wisconsin in June.
1: Yes, Finding Hope in the Desert is our conference, our one-year anniversary conference, and it'll also be the one-year anniversary that I met you, Tom, so it's <laughs> our anniversary as well.
0: Well, that went fast.
1: We are very blessed to have you as our master of ceremonies, so thank you for agreeing to that. And it's just a time for Catholics from across the country to come together uh, in a central location in Beloit, Wisconsin, in order to pray, to meet the canceled priests, and to, eat, to hear some great speakers. We're starting Thursday evening uh, with a banquet, and our keynote speaker is going to be Jesse Romero. Uh, Father Richard Heilman will also be making an appearance. Um, And then on Friday, we have a slew of speakers starting in the morning at about 9 a.m. and going until about 7 p.m. in the evening. And we have the likes of Dr. Janet Smith, Elizabeth Yore. We also have David L. Gray, Father James Altman, Alexander Chugel, and uh, many more. And uh, so we're looking forward to many coming out on the 23rd and on the 24th of June in order to support us. And some might say, well, you know, Father, I can't make it both days. That is all right. Go to org, and uh, you can sign up for just Thursday if you'd like or just Friday. And uh, obviously you're able to sign up for both as well, as well as hotel information for those that need it. Um The only sad thing, especially for the Dubuque listeners, is that uh, Dubuque might be just a little bit too far away from Beloit to drive back and forth and commute for both days. But um, we're looking forward to a great crowd and we're looking forward to a great lineup of speakers and just the ability to come together on the Feast of the Sacred Heart June 24th and to remember all these priests that have been sidelined uh, throughout the country.
0: That's quite a lineup of uh, speakers here. I just pulled the uh, the website up. Uh, Father Altman, most everyone uh, knows Father James Altman, but uh, you mentioned uh, uh, David Gray. Did did we miss a couple, or are there uh, a couple of uh, speakers that are more fluid at this point? Um, no,
1: they're all locked in. We also have, I think, I. I think I forgot to mention Dr. Peter Krasniewski, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I did forget to mention him. We also have Raymond D'Souza coming. Um, He was just confirmed last week. Um, There are still a couple of people I'm reaching out to. I would love to get Patrick Coffin to make an appearance. Um, Doug Barry will be there, at least he promises me. He is... uh, (laughs) Uh, Father Heilman's right hand man. Um, he won't be speaking, but he will be there at least for the banquet on Thursday. He has an event uh, down in Texas that weekend. Um, but uh, we're we're looking forward. We we're we're actually trying to make sure that we are able to get through all the speakers because we have so many. But this is where I really rely upon the skills of my master of ceremonies to keep things moving. So.
0: You'll, you'll all feel like a rented mule by the time you're done here.
1: Uh, well, it wouldn't be the first time.
0: So I'm, I'm just going down the uh, website here. Father James Altman, uh, I don't think you mentioned Michael Hitchborn. Is he still on the, on the docket?
1: He is. Thank you for reminding me. I've been having a senior moment. Do not get old, Tom. It is not fun.
0: So uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute. David L. Gray is the American Catholic theologian. Uh, how did you end up with Alexander Shugel? Alexander
1: Shugel is a very close friends with our vice president, uh, Craig Hawley, and his family. And uh, he has stayed at their house before. And we just simply asked. As you well know, Tom, sometimes all you have to do to get a speaker is just to simply ask. And um, he is actually coming out, not just for our event, but for several events across the country. And, uh, you know, when we reached out to him, we said, would you be willing to come out and speak on these days? And he said he would love to. And what's great about Alexander Trugel, for those that don't know, he's obviously the gentleman that threw the Pachamama statue quite rightly, in my opinion, into the Tiber River a few years ago. But he's also a millennial. He is a 28, 29-year-old, faithful, traditional Catholic, living in a former traditional Catholic country, meaning Austria. So it will be wonderful, because he'll give us the perspective of what's going on with Orthodox Catholicism in Central Europe. So I am very much looking forward to being with him, possibly brushing up on some of my... Austrian German, mm-hmm. and uh, also I'm hoping he'll bring some very good Austrian beer for us to, to share.
0: Hey, I'm in. I'm in. So Alexander Schugel in there. We we breezed by uh, David L Gray. Now uh, we're familiar with him with his uh, online media, St. Dominic Media. What else should we know about uh, David L Gray?
1: David O'Gray Gray is a convert from Freemasonry, and he has dedicated his life to teaching fellow Catholics the errors of Freemasonry, and why Catholics must avoid it. Um, many Catholics today don't realize that you are actually will be excommunicated, as we say, lete sententiae, meaning automatically, if... If you, as a Catholic, you join the Freemasonry Lodge. It is a secret society that was founded in order to destroy the Church. A lot of people today think it is just simply a social club, like so many, similar to the Knights of Columbus. And in some places, it is just that. But still, the Church has always condemned secret societies, especially Freemasonry. And David O. Gray goes into the great detail of why we must avoid that. Uh, he's just an excellent speaker and a wonderful friend to the coalition.
0: So we've got Father Altman, Michael Hitchborn. we just talked about David Elgray, Alexander Shugel, and then a uh, couple of heavy hitters here, Dr. Peter Kwashnevsky. I think I've got that right, and uh, so. Jesse Romero here. Let's talk about Dr. Kwachniewski. Uh, I just picked up a box of his uh, new book on obedience. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, get through that. I know you've been busy with the planning.
1: Yeah, I had the great fortune of being at the Catholic Identity Conference last October where he gave the talk that the book is based on. And it's more of a booklet.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's only
1: about 100 pages. And I was honored a few weeks after that event Um, He actually reached out to me. I was actually in the midst of COVID, and uh, he asked me to write a blurb for it, so I was able to read a copy of it before it came out. And it's an excellent little book. Um, it, It really warms the heart of canceled priests, because, Tom, as you know, a lot of times people just assume that a canceled priest is someone who's being disobedient to his bishop. And in reality, Dr. Kwasniewski, being an excellent Thomist, that is a student of St. Thomas Aquinas, the official theology of the Catholic Church, uh, he goes into detail about what true obedience is, and I highly recommend that. Dr. Peter will be selling true obedience at our event and signing copies, but a great little book for both clergy and laity to have, and in my opinion, an easy read. Uh, coming from a theologian. As you well know, Tom, sometimes the theologians are not always easy to read.
0: Well, and, uh, I, I read it is a quick read, Father. Oh. I read it. Uh, it only took me uh, two or three nights of uh, interrupted uh, reading. What I like about his style is he, uh, he gives you the Thomistic language, if you will, uh, but then he, he uh, draws it back and re-explains it. He brings it down to our level, and uh, it is a quick read. I think you'll like it.
1: Yes, I think anyone um, reading Dr. Krasniewski's book will be uh, thoroughly enjoying that. He is an excellent writer, and I, I don't know how he finds the time. I don't know. coming out with new information and new articles.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, Father, we've got half a box of his books here if uh, if the listeners would like it so we're recording here on Monday the 23rd of May and this is going to be the 23rd and 4th of June so we've got 30 days if somebody uh if some bodies would like copies of the book to read ahead of time we've got them here at the station go on to kcrd-fm.org and uh send us an email uh there there's a uh, slot to uh, talk to us. And uh, we'll get you a copy of the book. You could read it ahead of time, and I'm sure Dr. would uh, autograph it, sign it over at the event here. Uh, that, that, We're hoping
1: for a big turnout from Dubuque,
0: so... Yeah, yeah. So let's move from Dr. Kwashnevsky over to uh, Jesse Romero, who is uh, live Monday through Friday. Here on FM 98.3 KCRD, that's the 2 o'clock in the afternoon time slot, Father, uh, Jesse and and, uh, Terry Barber. And uh, let's give some background on Jesse Romero for those not familiar with him.
1: So Jesse is a former law enforcement officer from California. He's retired, uh, moved to Arizona, as all good Californians do. Uh, in order to avoid the insanity of California, and he's dedicated his life to proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Um, he is a traditional Catholic, but he reaches out basically to all spectrums of what I like to call the Catholic Rite. And uh, he's just a very intense, loving speaker that just captivates uh, your soul when he's speaking. I-, I could listen to him all day uh, in fact, I would love if uh, Jesse and his wife Anita would adopt me and uh, take me in as their private chaplain at their home. Um, uh, I could listen to Jesse speak all day. He's a wonderful man.
0: He's, he's quite a guy, and it's going to be quite a show here. So um, I scrolled to the bottom of the home page of the event. Uh, where did you get these three women? Liz Jor, Stella Moore, and Dr. Janet Smith. To balance out here. Let's talk about Liz.
1: Well, Elizabeth Yore is an attorney. Uh, she used to be Oprah Winfrey's attorney, and she uh, she runs what's now called Your Children. And she was with us from the beginning. She was our master of ceremonies at our Lombard event one sure. year ago. Yeah. We launched the coalition. Um, she is always a very good friend to the Coalition and to me personally. Uh, We speak almost every day um, on a wide variety of topics. She's just a very knowledgeable person, not only about the law, but what's going on in the Church. And similar to Jesse, she has a very far reach when it comes to Catholics. A lot of people respect her and and seek out her opinion and her knowledge. Uh, I think specifically of LifeSite News, where she has her own podcast show as with John Henry Weston and then also Steve Bannon, and everyone knows Steve Bannon.
0: Right, right. Yeah, Liz gives a a straight shot there. Uh, I'm not familiar with Stella Moore's body of work here. Fill me in, would you please?
1: Okay, Stella Moore, who now works for LifeSite News, she is also a volunteer. She runs our social media website. She spoke at our September events, and I encourage you, Tom, and all the listeners of KCRD to go to our website, org. and while you're signing up for the event in June, look up Stella Moore's talk that she gave in September. She's 20 years old. She went to Loyola University and did a four-year bachelor's program in three years. And uh, wow. she just recently graduated, and uh, she, she's just a stellar, stellar speaker at the age of 20 of what's called Generation Z. She's a Zoomer, as they call them.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you
1: are a boomer, she is a Zoomer. And uh, she just similar to Alexander Chugel, who represents the millennials, she represents Generation Z, and for me, she gives me hope that we can find solid Catholics, no matter what the age. And then just real quickly, before we go to break, I want to comment on Dr. Janet Smith. Dr. Janet Smith, similar to Liz Dior, was very uh, fundamental in the founding of the coalition, and she is a volunteer for us when it comes to theological issues, especially in morality. If we need to bounce something off of her, especially a difficult moral question, she is the person that we go to. Um, She is just an excellent speaker herself, dedicated her life to traditional Orthodox teaching, and we are glad to have her. Uh, Caveat, though, she will be joining us remotely because she was double-booked in Rome, and I told her go to Rome, um, It's it's always better to be in Rome than not to be in Rome, and so she is doing a recording for us, but uh, when she told me that she was double-booked, I was able to uh, book her for next year, for 2023, so she's the first speaker that we booked for our second anniversary event.
0: Our guest is Father John Lovell. This is Monday, May 23rd. We're recording the 44th episode of the of the Chatter here, and we're gonna be back and talk about uh, not only the, the event coming up here in June, but we've got more lined up. Don't go away, we've gotta talk about the uh, uh, Indiana property and what's going on with bishops and politicians on the Chatter. everybody ladies and gentlemen boys and girls this is the chatter episode 44 father James father James Altman no it's father John Lovell we were just talking about father James Altman here and Colleen still hasn't uh, uh, gotten over here yet she's running late with uh, Mary's in, so we'll have to see if she makes an appearance father hey Don't before worry. let's get into this here um, couple of things. We talked about Rogation Days, we talked about Ascension uh, Thursday, and uh, you know, you, uh, you're you stealing my thunder because I've been a proponent of restoring Catholic culture, and I think one of the most devastating, destroying uh, acts known to Catholic culture is the moving of the High Holy Days, the feast days, to the nearest Sunday, and not getting Catholic families into church, uh, the, the next big one coming up is this week, by the time this airs on the weekend, Father, Ascension Thursday will have come and gone. What say you about the profanation of High Holy Days?
1: Well, especially for Ascension. So what Catholics need to realize, our highest feast is the Easter Triduum, which takes three days, starting on Holy Thursday and going through Easter Sunday morning. Uh, second would be Pentecost. A lot of Catholics today probably don't realize that. If you would hold them, they would think Christmas would come in second, if not first. But it's actually Pentecost. And then third would actually be Epiphany. Sadly, similar to Ascension, relegated in most places to the nearest Sunday. Fourth would be Christmas itself. As great as Christmas is, um, we have to realize that uh, it is not the highest. But fifth would be Ascension. And Ascension Thursday not only is very ancient, it is biblical. It is on Ascension Thursday that our Lord ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, to judge the living and the dead. But also, if we begin our prayer, that nine-day novena, in order to call down the Holy Ghost upon us, but something that I remember having a private conversation with you, Tom, and I don't mind sharing this with the audience,
2: Uh-oh. is
1: that Ascension, Ascension Thursday, you said this, which shows your inner theologian, Tom, Ascension Thursday marks when the Church left the school of Jesus, and I don't mean left meaning to abandon it, I mean left that Jesus ascended, went from the school of Jesus to the school of Mary. Because what did the apostles and the disciples do for the next nine days? They prayed with Mary, the mother of God, in that upper room, waiting mm-hmm. for the Holy Ghost to come.
0: What would you what, give, Father? What would you give right now to have been in there 2,000 years ago for those nine days with the, um, with the 11 apostles?
1: I would give all that I have in order to be there.
0: With, the, with a the blessed wait, mother,
1: I cannot wait. If I if I die and I am able to go to heaven, which I hope is true, I I would love to be able to just sit there and and listen because, as you all well know, heaven is omnipresent mm-hmm. and uh, we're able to participate in any part of history that we want. And most of the time, people are like, oh, I would love to see the Battle of Waterloo or Gettysburg. I wouldn't be interested in that. Most people in heaven would not be interested at all. But I think they would be interested to listen in to that school of Mary, to be there for that nine days. And leading up to Ascension, we have three days called Rogation, as I talked about at the beginning of the program. Rogation coming from the Latin word Rogare. Thompson. You might not know this, and our listeners might know this, but we're part of the Roman Church. That's sure. the reason we call ourselves Roman Catholics.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: our ancestors loved to do processions, loved going from church to church in Rome praying. And we see that with the stational churches during Lent, mm-hmm. but we also see it with rogation, where they go pleading from church to church, asking. And what we have in these next three days leading up to Ascension Thursday is people getting down on their knees, taking off the white and gold vestments of Easter and putting on again the violet in order to pray. I celebrated Mass today wearing violet.
2: Mm-hmm. It's very
1: odd because it's one of the few times where you wear violet and you still hear the Alleluia being proclaimed during Mass. And it's a reminder that we need to get back to prayer and fasting. And I think it ties in so well, not only leading up to Ascension Thursday and the importance of restoring Ascension Thursday to Ascension Thursday. Sorry if that sounds like a tongue twister. But it's a reminder of what's going on right now in the world with what Archbishop Cordelione has done with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Would you like to fill everyone in, Tom, on what happened?
0: Well, let's, let's, let's hold on uh, to that here because we're going to get to uh, Archbishop Cordeleon, but I think we're uh, leaving a couple of loose ends here. One, um, with respect to Ascension Thursday and the nine days to uh, Pentecost, isn't that the first recorded historical novena?
1: It is. It very much is. And the greatest of all the novitas is the novita to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit. And people have to get back into that habit Friday after the Ascension, mm-hmm. all the way up to uh, the vigil of Pentecost that Saturday, of dedicating themselves to get that school of Mary and praying, praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to come down upon them. That we all receive that baptism, but at times leaves us because of our sins, sure. and I don't know about you, Tom, but I certainly could use those gifts of the Holy Spirit.
0: Well, I don't know what we'd do if the uh, tongue of fire came down and then parted and and uh, landed on you and on me. But uh, I'd like to go there. I'd like to go there. Yeah. Here's the here's the other thought, and uh, I'm going to ask you to be gentle on this part of it, Father. Here, but what do good catholic families do in the contemporary uh, structure of the church where they would like to observe ascension thursday but not only well you talked about the high holy day easter but pentecost that's always on a on a sunday but epiphany christmas follows you've got the birth of uh, uh, of our 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 Lady, you've got the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, so just a number of these High Holy Days, but their parish, their diocese is going to move that feast day anyway to Sunday. What can families do on their own to begin the restoration of the High Holy Days?
1: Well, first and foremost is always remember whether you go to a traditional Latin Mass or you. Sordo that in the general calendar of the Roman Church, Ascension is still on Thursday. It is wrong to say, which you see sometimes in church bulletins, "Ascension Sunday," and okay, that's not biblical. If you count so, in the Acts of the Apostles, you can clearly tell that Ascension happened on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. We remember. We still follow the Roman calendar, the same calendar that they were using two thousand years ago. A seven day, three hundred and sixty five day a year calendar. And so it's always a reminder for families what they can do if they cannot make it to a traditional Latin mass for Ascension Thursday, okay, is to observe it in the family when it comes to the mysteries of the rosary. All right. Glorious Mystery Number Two is Ascension Thursday to say the prayers of the Divine Office, which now are so easily accessible for Catholic families that you can just download them uh, online. It's very easy to do, whether the traditional breviary or the uh, Liturgy of the Hours. It's just so easy to download and to pray those psalms for Ascension Thursday. And what I always like to say, too, is in a respectful way, mission your bishop to restore Ascension to Thursday.
2: Mm-hmm. All right.
1: right now, the United States, only Nebraska, Pennsylvania, and New York and New England, the states of New England, observe Ascension Thursday on Thursday. And we need to get back to that. And we do that by just simply telling the bishops, look, this is what we want. We want this ancient feast restored. I would say the same for Epiphany. We, we, have to, we have to be active in what we do in charity, and, you know, you touch upon something, Tom, that, that is very much at the core of the Coalition for Canceled Free, is that we just can't simply be passive and wait for something to happen. Okay? We have to. This might sound corny, but we need to be the change. We need to bring about that change in a positive, fruitful, charitable way.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, that... that um really lays it right on the, uh, the family, husband and wife, dad and, and mom, to um, observe these feasts in their family and, and um, do something. Uh, again, this will air after Ascension Thursday, but uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks and there's always another High Holy Feast Day coming up we got about eight or nine minutes left in this segment, Father, and uh, I hope that gives us uh, enough time to talk uh, about Archbishop Cordeleon over in San Francisco. Can you give us, uh, one, just uh, the facts of what transpired? Uh, this was late uh, Thursday night, early Friday, before the weekend, I think.
1: Yeah, I just to uh, fill everybody in, a few weeks ago it was leaked that more than likely the Supreme Court was going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I don't want to get into why that happened, a lot of that, but what was clear is, is that many of the Democratic uh, politicians, Nancy Pelosi uh, being chief among them, started coming out even more in support of Roe versus Wade and a woman's right. Uh, and finally, Archbishop Corleone, and I think it was caught many people by surprise, came out and finally said, enough's enough, Nancy Pelosi, stop telling people that you're Catholic in good standing, you're not. And I, as your Archbishop, because Nancy Pelosi is the congresswoman for one of the districts of San Francisco, is uh, he told her, do not present yourself to commission. you will not be given union, in the archdiocese of san francisco and to his credit the bishop of santa rosa which is where nancy pelosi has her weekend home in napa valley came out and said that he would also abide by that ruling saying that telling the priests of the diocese of santa rosa do not give nancy pelosi communion if she presents herself so kudos to bishop bassa Kudos to Archbishop Cordeleon and about a dozen bishops across the country that have come out in support of that. Sadly, it's only a dozen so far. And I do not mean to, to use uh, modern colloquialism, throw shade on this, but it's sad that it's only been a dozen bishops uh, out of about 200 that have said something, and I hope more do come forward. And not, not to sound pessimistic, but one could argue... Uh, to simply say it's about time. This should have been done years ago. And uh, kudos to Archbishop Cordelio for finally having the courage to step forward and saying enough's enough. I hope we're going to start seeing this with many more bishops across the country, including the Bishop of Delaware, um, who is Joe Biden's uh, bishop as well.
0: Let's let's, uh, just replay uh, some of what you talked about as... The leak came from the Supreme Court. I, I think it's an important aspect to understand that politicians who favored the killing of children uh, really doubled down. They intensified the rhetoric, the legislation. In fact, there was a, uh, a bill in the Senate that, uh, thankfully, was voted down. And it, but, but the net effect would have been to codify. Roe versus Wade, which is a judicial decision, and it would have made it a legislative uh, decision. Had it gone to the House, uh, with the uh, party majority, it would have likely um, been approved in the House, and um, given the current administration, it would have uh, likely been signed here. So uh, Archbishop Corleone um, moved quickly with respect to that. In some view, not quite so quickly as, given the last 50 years of what's going on here. But uh, do you do you see a trend here, Father? And uh, and you mentioned uh, two things. One, I'd like to see what, what's your trend. What's what's your trajectory line on this? And then sp- let's speak about the executive in the White House and um, the significant number of of uh, uh, legislators in the House and the Senate who refer to themselves as Catholic. Go ahead.
1: Well, I I would just simply say this, speaking of the rhetoric, and it started a few years ago, especially in New York, when the former governor, Cuomo, who also claims to be a practicing Catholic, basically said that uh, New York State was going to, Celebrate abortion. And what you saw from so called pro choice politicians is no longer was it, you know, legal, safe, but rare. It was, we are going to come out and celebrate this. That, you know, it is a very good thing that a woman gets pregnant and then kills her child, and that that should be celebrated. So the language there was a shift, all right, because they sent. that they had the majority of Americans, which they don't, in my opinion, uh, to come out and basically say, we're now going to celebrate this. This is not just about legal, safe, and rare. This is about, we should celebrate this, and it's become, sadly, their sacrament. Yes, okay? yes. As Eucharist is our sacrament, it has now become their sacrament, to the point where they're rejoicing so much over this, and it's quite thick. It, it would be as if the South 150 years ago was getting up and celebrating how great slavery is, all right? And if that was not just a matter of them defending slavery, it was they were coming out and saying how great it is and how we should enslave more human beings. Right. You know, that, that that is a similar analogy, and we have to move away from that and realize that there is something very sick about that. And when it comes to politicians whether in the executive branch or the legislative branch, that are calling themselves Catholic, you cannot call yourself Catholic and advocate for the killing of innocent children, period.
0: We've got 60 seconds left in this segment, Father. um, Nancy Pelosi is high profile. She's Speaker of the House, I think, is uh, third in line to the uh, uh, presidency. A lot of other representatives in the House. Um, I, there, there's, there's numerous uh, Catholic Senators in the United States Senate and uh, you talked about the uh, executive uh, in, the, in the White House and I think his diocese, his, his home state, is, is uh, Delaware. We want to talk about that aspect of this here, Father, on the other side of the break you're listening to The Chatter. This is, is episode 44. Our guest is Father John Lovell and we're going to be talking about more contemporary issues in the church right after these announcements. back in the studio it's father john Lovell on the chatter here with episode 44 i think i just got a text here uh colleen's out of power she's lost she's lost battery control here father
1: well let's just be clear colleen could never be out of power it's her car that's <laughs> out of power so
0: do you do you, do you have a uh, prayer or uh, some some something to exercise dead car batteries
1: I need I need to be nearby in order to exercise. If that's for sure. But always pray to Saint Anthony that uh, that a, a start will happen. That's for sure. Fortunately, I don't know how the weather is in the but in the South suburbs of Chicago, you could not have asked for a nicer day weather-wise. So yeah,
0: it's beautiful. At least getting some fresh air. It's beautiful. All right, Father, we're talking about um, Archbishop Cordelione, uh and his his. Um, public statement about a public official who has been uh, doubling down uh, and, and ramping up everything as it relates to the killing of, uh, of children. Um, let's talk about this issue and I've got two or three issues so I'm going to ask you to go quickly at this, hit it hard. The the uh, press here doesn't quite understand uh, Archbishop Cordelioni's action, they call it uncharitable, they call it weaponizing. Uh, the Eucharist? Why is all of those concepts wrong?
1: Well, it's interesting because it is weaponizing the Eucharist, but it's not the Archbishop that's weaponizing it. It is Nancy Pelosi. It is Joe Biden. It is any pro-choice politician. And I don't care what party they're a part of. Any pro-choice politician that makes a public Stand for something as egregious as abortion, and not just abortion, but anything as egregious as abortion, they are weaponizing the Eucharist, okay? And they should not be doing that, because why do we call it communion? It is to say that we are in communion with not only the saints of heaven, the souls in purgatory, and our fellow Catholics here on earth, but we're saying that we are in communion and that we believe everything that the Church teaches in the deposit of faith.
0: Saint so Paul, when
1: you do not actually believe that, you have taken yourself out of communion, hence the term excommunication. Yeah.
0: St. Paul uh, talks about uh, becoming sick, that that some of us are, are uh, taking the Eucharist when not in a state of grace, and it's causing uh, all sorts of uh, illness. I want to say that's in Corinthians, you'd know better than I, but the point, not where it is, but speak speak to the charity of Paul's statement, wherever it is in the Testament.
1: Well, I believe you're right that it's in Corinthians, and I believe it's also in Galatians as well. He speaks about it twice. Again, do not quote us on that, but I believe he does speak twice about that, and it, it shows just the catastrophe that has been happening in the Church, so what Paul is saying is, is that when somebody is unworthy to receive our Lord in communion, and in one sense, all of us are unworthy. We say, whether the traditional pastor, the Dovus Ordo, we say right before we receive communion, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Mm-hmm. Okay? So in one sense, none of us are worthy, even those that are in the state of grace. But for those that are not in the state of grace, for those that have a mortal sin on their soul, when they approach to receive communion, not only are they doing something that is spiritually hurting them, and possibly physically, too, they they are bringing down the rest of the community, the rest of the Church with them, causing sorrow, and that is what St. Paul talks about is that it brings down the life of the community. And you know what's interesting, Tom, and and I'm a traditional Catholic, and it's very easy for traditional Catholics to say, you know what, all the problems go back to Vatican II. And I think that's a little too simplistic. One, I think the problems were well before Vatican II. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. But if you start looking in this country at the collapse of Catholicism, not, it, it's not just Vatican II that it all started to happen. It, it was 1972, with the passing of Roe versus Wade. Sure. And the general acceptance that this is okay. It's a woman's right to kill her baby. And what have you seen? You've seen the body of Christ in this country slowly but surely deteriorating. Whether it's the Archdiocese of Dubuque, the Archdiocese of Chicago, or anywhere across the country, you've seen... The effect of what is happening because sin has been allowed to prosper in the midst of Christ's community and the church.
0: okay, let's take a different spin on that here, Father, because there's a lot of people that are reaching out, they've talked to us, they've sent us notes, but they'll say this is a private this is a private matter it's it's a woman and her doctor and her family's choice. but isn't there something deeper here that when a nation legalizes or looks the other way uh... or otherwise rules judicially doesn't these private sins become the sin of a nation
1: absolutely absolutely it does and you know what i always like to say is that when you're killing another human being what's private about that is it private When somebody goes into a school and shoots up the school? Of course not. Is it private when somebody gets attacked on the streets of Chicago and killed every weekend in the dozens, if not uh, hundreds? Of course not, okay? There's nothing private about abortion, okay? What it comes down to is this, is that it is the killing of innocent human life. And that, that blood cries out to heaven for vengeance.
0: Father, let's um, remind our listeners, and we do this every show when we talk about abortion here, that um, the women who make that decision are in a tough, pos- tough position that, when they make that decision. We need to, at this point, because we're talking, it can be harsh, it could be, could be difficult. Everyone listening needs to know the love that the Catholic Church has for mothers and their children before birth and after birth. We share the same thing here uh, at the radio station, uh, at the maternity homes, the right-to-life organizations, and you and I personally, Father, um, could you give us a short prayer for these young mothers who are in tough positions, that they might be strengthened and have the courage to reach out and call us if they've got no one else to call.
1: You know, to be honest with you, I I, I can think of no better prayer than the call on the greatest mother of them all, which is our Blessed Mother. So why don't we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
0: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. And it's interesting that you say what you just said, Tom, which we all say several times a day for practicing Catholics, pray for us sinners. And it's a reminder, especially to the mothers, that none of us have the right to judge them. And we're not judging them personally. We're judging the action, okay, which is the taking of human life, okay? We love the mother just as much as we love the baby. And sometimes the Democrat or the the pro-choice, so-called pro-choice response is, well, all they care about is giving birth, and they don't care about the child at all. That clearly is not true, since it was the Catholic Church that gave us not only hospitals and schools, but gave us orphanages.
0: Orphanages, okay? adoption agencies, uh, adoption. child child care. Uh, mother, These
1: are not yeah. government-instituted things. These are church-instituted uh, organizations. And we have to realize that, that the church has always been pro-life from the womb to the tomb.
0: And we love the mothers, and we love the children here. This is going to come as a uh, surprise to a lot of people here, Father, but we love the politicians. Archbishop Cordelione's action was very much an act of charity towards Speaker Pelosi.
1: It was it was one of the highest acts of charity that a father could do to his children, is to correct them. Tom, you, you speak very fondly of your children, okay? And you know when they're disbehaving, Rogation Day is about. It's about getting down on our knees and praying, asking God for forgiveness. That's what prayer and fasting is about. That is the importance of the Rogation days. because if we do not have it set in our minds to pray for the Nancy Pelosi's, the Joe Bidens of the world, well then we're failing. We are failing as a Church and the community. That's why the first day of Rogation, which is today, is dedicated to our personal needs. The second, to family and community. That is the entire Church. And then on Wednesday, the third day of Rogation leading up to Ascension, is that we dedicate that for the entire Universal Church. And as much as we might not like it, Nancy Pelosi is a Catholic. Is she a bad Catholic? Yeah. There's a lot of bad Catholics out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to realize that she's still a Catholic, and we need to pray for her conversion, okay? It's not just about cutting off the bad part, it's about healing that bad part. And that, could you, you imagine? Could you imagine with her position, her power, not just as speaker, but the gravitas that she bears as a woman, now as an octogenarian the good she could do if she turned her life around and dedicated all of her resources that she has available to her for the promotion of life, it would be unstoppable. It would be like Augustine being converted. That is what we want. We want Nancy Pelosi to come back to the faith of her childhood.
0: Well said, Father. Father, if Augustine and Oglesby can have been converted here, it can almost be anybody here. We've got about uh, four minutes left, Father, before we've got to call it a wrap here, and we need to talk about how the retreat house over in um, Indiana is coming along. And uh, there's some new canceled priests. Let's go to uh, get an update on the property in Indiana.
1: Well, and I just want to let all the listeners know, you know, please, almost on a daily basis, we're up, we're updating our website. Go to canceledpriests.org. For information about our June event, June 23rd and 24th in Beloit, Wisconsin, we can hope you could join us, but also with the property that we're hoping through Divine Providence was given to us uh able to purchase. We are in the process of raising that money. We have a lot of good leads with a lot of major donors who are stepping forward. Um, we are going, starting tomorrow, into the inspection process, both of the land and the buildings. And as anyone knows that's buying property, you have a you put it under contract and there's a closing period. Our closing date is June thirtieth. We are hoping to raise the money necessary to purchase it outright. And that is stage one. Raise enough money about two point one million dollars to purchase the property outright. As a five oh one C three, we do not have to pay taxes on that property. And for anyone donating they get a tax rebate for that donation. So I always encourage people to do that. Then if we're able to secure the property, stage two is restoring the grottoes. There's about three grottoes on the property with statues, cleaning them up, just making the grottoes a place of pilgrimage again, and the chapel. We're hoping, with uh, the grace of the Bishop of Gary, Indiana, that he'll allow us to house the blessed sacrament and have adoration. We would love to have adoration there, especially for sins against the Blessed Sacrament and sins against the priesthood. Um, That is what we want to do. And then stage three would be raising money in order to restore the house. It is structurally sound, but it does need a lot of cosmetic work, especially on the inside. They did take everything out of it. We want to make it a place that canceled priests can come to live if they need a place to live, a place for both laity and clergy, clergy being both active and canceled to come and and do retreats. Even if canceled priests do not all live there, it would still be a place that they can make their home base, a place where they can come and get away, beautiful 61 acres. And so we encourage the faithful to go to canceledpriest.org, learn about more about what you can do uh with the property and more about our june event and our june conference
0: so we're talking uh clear lake indiana and um about 60 cedar lake cedar lake cedar lake Lake, indiana and about 61 acres father
1: 61 acres of lawns ponds wetlands woods just a beautiful place to walk A beautiful place to bring your dog uh, to go for walks. My dog certainly loves going there and just romping around in the field. Fortunately, the current owner, uh, who is a private investor, does allow the grounds to be open for people to uh, take their dogs or to go for a walk. So I know many people in Dubuque probably cannot make the drive all the way out to Cedar Lake, Indiana. But for those that are listening to KCRD via the app or online, that are in northwest Indiana, I encourage you to go and visit the property. It is a beautiful piece of ground.
0: we got a minute and a half left, Father. Let's talk about um, some of the new faces and canceled priests that, uh, sadly, uh, priests are still being canceled.
1: What what I'm amazed at, I was just speaking with our priestly assistance coordinator, Father Scott Duvall, who you have met, who was at uh, the KCRD event uh, last September uh, at your fundraiser. Um, He he told me just this morning that he's had, over the weekend, three or four priests sign up with the coalition, fill out the paperwork so that we could do a background check. And for everyone that's listening, we do do a background check on every priest. You can see the form online, again, at cancelpriest.org and he said that a lot of them were just signing up, not that they needed anything financially right now, but they just wanted the prayers. They're either active priests who are worried about being canceled, or they are canceled priests, but maybe their families are well well off enough where they don't necessarily need financial help, but they wanted the prayers. They wanted to be part of that community. And that kind of ties back into the importance of us finding a home for canceled priests, so for those that have no place to go, that they can find a community where they can pray and be together. And that's what we're hoping to do in Cedar Lake. And that's what we're hoping to do in our conference in June. I hope many of you can join us as we are about to close out this last segment. Please go to org for more information. Over to you, Tom.
0: Father, we got 30 seconds left in this 44th episode of the uh, Chatter. Uh, let's, uh, let's say a, a prayer for all of the canceled priests, and, uh, and let's, let's say a prayer for strong bishops, and um, since it's a Rogation Day, uh, it seems appropriate here. Would you lead us in a closing prayer, please?
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as the, it was in the beginning, is, is now, and ever shall end. be, world without end, amen. God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
0: Father John Lovell with us. I'm Tom Oglesby on The Chatter. We'll see you all next week. We love you.